Welcome to another episode of the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. I'm Donald Dennis, and you can find me all over the internet as Walsvio. Today we are in post-Shushcon mode. Less than, a, well, exactly a week ago, Shushcon was going on as of our recording, and we had a lot of fun. I'm here with... Chris Bell. Hello. Yep, Chris works with me here at the library, and we put on a heck of an event, if I do say so myself. So, Chris, this was your first uh, ShushCon where you were working as part of library staff. That's right. Um, I have helped with ShushCon in the past, but this is the first time it was my job. Right. So, last year, he actually showed up, did some uh, photography, and helped demo games during the uh, pre-convention shenanigans where we were teaching librarians about uh, coding games and uh, computational thinking games. And he did so well at that, and then won won the competition at Shushcon. It's like he won a job here. Yes, not exactly, but you know, you should come to Shushcon if you want a job here. That's all I'm saying. I mean, it worked for me. <laughs> it worked, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit. Do we want to start off with uh, the good, the bad, or just the pre-conference? Probably the pre-conference. That is the highlight for the library itself at least right so every year before we do ShushCon, you may have heard us talk about uh our trade day librarian trade day this year we tried to open it up to teachers but we still didn't get much i think that's probably because we host it during a school day um but we'll, we'll keep trying to spread that out this year we covered story games and story games was, was our focus now if you know anything about gaming and you're deep into the lore and and all the fights on the internet story games has a particular connotation for librarians we were just covering games that sort of focus on story either getting people to engage with story or tell a story as part of the their experience that's correct um and i guess we should add that includes rpgs and board games it was all story games across the board and card games and yeah we had all kinds of things so I want to let you all know right up front, we may do a full Story Games Workshop uh, episode. In fact, we probably should at some point. But I'm going to put the slideshow that we made up. The link will be in the show notes. So it's already free and wild on the internet. If you have ideas or feedback for what I could do to improve the slideshow or add more games, that kind of stuff, because it was much shorter before the event. <laughs> because what I did was... I brought in a bunch of subject matter experts, if you will, and I call them that now because we're trying to sound all official, but what you really know is it's people who run games, right? And I gave a relatively short presentation talking about some ways that you can use games to engage with story in your libraries, and then we let them walk around and basically have a sampling, almost poster session, of a whole bunch of different games, so what did you think, Chris, about this structure versus how we did it previously? I think this structure definitely let the uh, librarians and teachers focus on what they found interesting. Um, though I did notice quite a few of the spots, mine included actually, kind of had a limited number of people come up to ask about it. Either it wasn't as impressive looking, so they went for the bigger, fancier things, or they didn't understand it, so they didn't really pay attention to the explanations. Right, yeah. Um, Pre previously, we had an agenda, and we sort of walked people... I guess the first year, it was kind of more like this, because we were covering all of geekdom, right. whether it was cosplay or video games or whatever. And this time, or but all the, the, the two between here and there, 
we had, oh, we're doing this part of the presentation. We're talking about this. All 40 librarians would gather around and sort of have to watch and deal with that particular event until we let them do a little bit more freeform. Um, but I think in this case, yours was hurt particularly because you were helping with other with other stuff. That's so, true. Um, the other thing that kind of got pulled into our trade day was VR stuff. And I was kind of in between with that and the particular story game I was running, Microscope. Right. Um, so, yeah. The, oh, I guess let's, let's divert for a moment and talk about the VR stuff. Before yes. the event happened... I get a call from my boss saying, hey, were you going to do VR for SheshCon? And I'm like, well, yes, we'll have it open during the event a little bit for a couple of activities, but we weren't going to do it for the trade day because I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> and and he's like, oh, okay. And then I get another call from our children's librarian. He's like, you're going to have VR stuff. Dwight really wants VR stuff. I'm like, no, I already told him this wasn't going to happen. And I think we all know what happens next <laughs> is I get told, by the way, you have to have VR stuff. And I'm like, well, if you can give me another person to run it and be in charge of it, we will gladly do a VR segment. Now, the bad thing was, is it didn't match at all with the rest of the theme of our event. But the good thing is that um, the librarians got to see us do a lot of tech support on VR. Yes. <laughs> um, one of our genius ideas was to run all five of our vr systems simultaneously mm -hmm. uh which meant five times as many things could go wrong it did and it, it did. did and in the nature of things uh the, the the gentleman who was doing our vr stuff hasn't done a ton of presentations and so not all the machines were quite as ready as they ought to be before you get start, if you've done a thing, you know you show up the day before and you make sure everything runs with all the hardware just to test and make sure that in your new setting, your new whatever, it goes right. Um, and so it was a little bit of a learning experience for a new addition to our library staff because uh, we brought him in from the IT department and it was sort of the first time he was put on stage. Yes, it, and it did work. Um, even for the trade day, a lot of librarians did get to experience VR, um, mostly the tutorial stuff, the kind of introductory VR scenarios and stuff like that. But they did get to try it, see it, see the other librarians playing with it. For those of you who don't know, VR is virtual reality. Yes. In our case, we were using Oculus systems hooked up to laptops because we got it as part of a grant, which we will be moving these around from library to library. And we have some neat stuff like... We've got Kerbal Space Program, which isn't particularly VR, but we also have, you know, the Universe Sandbox and other stuff that will sort of go well with, you know, our space exploration theme. So, yes, cannot wait to get some of that out. I want to play me some Elite Dangerous. <laughs> In fact, maybe when we're done recording, we'll play some Elite Dangerous. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but it, it was All exciting and neat. And we also had it up for the rest of ShushCon, but we're not to the rest of ShushCon yet. No. Uh, so it was really neat to see um, all of these games, you know, people wandering around, sitting down, experiencing them. Uh, I really have a few game companies that we need to, to say thank you to. Uh, yeah. First and foremost, uh, one of the first responders to for the Story Games Workshop uh, were the folks over at uh, Smirk and Laughter Games who submitted a game called Before There Were Stars. 
Um, they also sent Koi, but that was we used that for more of the, the convention as a whole, even though it got some love at, at the workshop as well. Uh, we will be doing reviews on that. Um, also, Hub Games gave away copies of Untold Adventures Await, and their game Holding On, The Troubled Life of Billy Kerr was of interest to folks. Um, and we had a lot of Once Upon a Time to show off as well. I bought a bunch of story cubes so that I could show those off. Um, there's other stuff, and we will get through and we will review all of these games. They will come through, and you will get to see them, and it will be very exciting. Um, so, uh-huh. that... That was the big part of the, the story of the cup. You had something else? Yes. Well, I did want to say, so we were kind of talking negative about the trade day. Um, no. All in... Hmm? I wouldn't. Well, I mean, okay. we were saying some of the problems. Yeah. We'll say it was a huge success. Um, a lot of librarians had never been ex- exposed to board gaming, RPGs, anything, you know, more complicated than the game of life. Um, yeah, so, it, it was kind of weird because we had sort of half and half. Half of them had been returning guests. And that's true. We'd seen a bunch of them already, and it's wonderful to see a lot of the faces that I know and I, I now consider more friends mm-hmm. than librarians, even though I can have librarian friends. It's not prohibited. <laughs> uh, um, but there were also some people who hadn't had a lot of experience with games. Yes. And, I mean, it was very nice to see them. I mean, even though some of the uh, games didn't get as much interest – some of the games, um, and especially the either the flashier games or the more standard ones, things like D and D and Pathfinder, um, definitely got a lot of interest from these people, um, and so they did get a great exposure to how that works and how you could definitely get those kind of games into a library setting. And honestly, between their stars was another yeah, before really there were stars. Po- or before there were stars was another very popular game as well right so yes look for we will do a recording of the story games workshop Uh, we just have to make it so it's more chris and i talking back and forth instead of me standing in front of a captive audience (laughs) (laughs) so that that was neat we're trying to decide what we're going to do next year and for the next workshop we had some requests for video games if we did video games it would be oh here is video games and then here is other video game related content since a lot of libraries are bringing video games in but it would be like, you know, you can't have everybody at the station all the time. Yeah. So what if you got like Halo Monopoly or right. if you got some other games that relate so closely to video games like Boss Monster that you could bring in and sort of for 50 bucks flesh out another whole experience that they could play that was sort of video game adjacent. That is the current forerunner. If you have ideas for yeah. what you would like us to cover or think we should cover, please, please let us know. Yes, absolutely. Let us know. Um, we have shown off our video game setups to other librarians, uh, and they always come with questions how they can do it. Um, I've had a lot of librarians ask me how they can make it successful. Theirs didn't work. Why didn't it? How can? Why is ours working when so many librarians have trouble with it? If you have questions like that, let us know. I mean, that is the kind of thing we want to answer. Yes, we'd love to do, start doing questions on the show. All right, so let's talk about the con as a whole. Do you have any highlights you'd like to hit on? Um, or I guess what is ShushCon? Let's for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, because for whatever reason, uh, what, how would you describe ShushCon? ShushCon is a weekend of geekery. Uh, we got board games, we got video games, we got RPGs, card games, we have escape rooms. We take over our library for three days with games. 
Mm. We get those dreaded noise complaints from some of the patrons. <laughs> say, can you shut your doors and do the thing? Like, no, we, we really can't. But it's only one weekend a year, so please bear with us. Yes. Uh, the other thing is, yeah, it's not just games, but we see it as kind of a community building exercise. We want mm. to expose people locally to games. We want to expose people all over the region to what the libraries are doing. We sort of want to to build up our local community so that, hey, people who have not played our kinds of games before get that opportunity. And this is sort of our our ability to do that. And we have the podcast, so we sort of have the ear of a bunch of publishers. Hmm. So we, I think we have a throw weight above our attendance, which our attendance is still right around the 200 mark-ish, it, Roughly, we think. Yes. Um, since we don't charge and we don't have somebody sitting at the sign-in the whole time, um, we may be significantly over 200, but we're going to go with we're at about 200-ish. Yes. What other benefit do you see of Shushkan? I guess the biggest thing is showing people, you know, this is why your library is fun. This is why you can get to the library. This is the things that a library can do outside the scope of just checking in and out books. I think it helps people see this as more of a community, but um, it also helps the community see more of itself. You know, a lot of people don't, aren't super into the hobby or they're kind of on the edge of it. And this kind of helps them see, hey, there's a lot of people that like it. There's places you can go to get more exposure to this hobby. We had a couple of folks who were like, you know, we were just here for a meeting, a business meeting. Yeah. And we had our Alienware laptops for video games in our backpack. And we we're going to come in and play your VR stuff. We're like, great. Here's your coin, and thank you for playing. Yes. So what we did was, since we have the Glowforge working this year, we didn't have to outsource these. We could just go and make them ourselves. Chris designed um, little hexagons with our Shushkan logo on them, and we cut them out of uh, a wood-ish material. <laughs> and <laughs> A draft board. Yeah, it's like a low-density fiber board or medium-density fiber board. Yeah. And uh, we handed one out to everybody who came in the door. And so that was sort of my way of being host is going up to them and say, hey, welcome. I don't recognize you. Uh, have you signed in? Did you get your coin? And um, most of them hadn't signed in. And I was like, great. Here's, here's your coin. Now please go sign in. I'm still not sure how many people did. But it has our logo on it. And the it's a neat little token. And mm. people like, I think, that takeaway because it reminds them all year long, hey, that this is going to be coming back around. Yes. What else did we do with the laser cutter? Um, we did try to cut out some dice towers. For yeah, we did. We did. GMs. We made four of them. We made one working dice tower. Two of them might have been working. We don't know. We didn't Maybe. ever talk to Miss Magic again. The, that was definitely user error on why they didn't work. Not their user error. No, our ours. user error. So, um, Chris, we're not going to go into <laughs> to what happened. Uh, we'll let the listeners think it was all my fault. Um, mm. You know, I got to make you sound brilliant. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's just say when you're gluing the dice towers together, make sure that you leave enough room for the dice to actually go down. So you have to glue the pieces in facing the correct direction. Yeah. And that may or may not have been something that was figured out before the you know, con started. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, we also made some cool little dice vaults with magnets in them so that you could did. keep a set of dice in them or counters or tokens or whatever. That was pretty neat. And for everyone who ran games for us, who pre-scheduled to run games for us, we created a very cool acrylic 
uh, you know, ShoshCon 2019 jamming token. It's a pretty much exactly like the other ones, except for it said GM on it, and it was made out of acrylic. Uh, black acrylic. So it, oh, was, uh, it was shiny. Very shiny. fancy looking. And we will put those pictures in the show notes to brag. Yes. <laughs> um, so that was nice. And it's something I don't see a lot of conventions doing. I mean, mm-hmm. I've seen more now that we started doing it four years, three years ago, whenever it was. But mm-hmm. Having the Makerspace stuff, like the Glowforge or the 3D printer, I mean, it's a huge help for doing these kinds of things because we can just kind of bang them out ourselves and make these interesting takeaway pieces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we also 3D printed a rocket for an escape room, which, by the way, Stephanie Fry made us a new escape room this year, yes. and we got to help do the finishing on it when she came back into town. <laughs> but it is a space-themed escape room, and we will have it available at some point for printing off um, on our website. So once the Moonrise grade's done and we've finished running it and we basically tested it 100 times for your benefit, we'll have guidelines on how to run it how you can print it out and like paste it on cardboard or how you can laser cut it on your own. If you want Um, that, that will all be available as part of the grant that we received. Exactly. And it was designed to be laser cut. So right. You can make it fancy. Yeah. This was part of our computational thinking grant actually, but we are utilizing it in conjunction with our new moonrise grant as well. Since you can do computational thinking in space. In fact, I think that's how you get to space. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe (laughs) I'm still so tired from this convention. It's been a week, Chris, and I'm still beat. It's exhausting. Yes. All right. So some of our big events. I uh, mentioned the escape room. Uh, that met with great uh, with great joy from the people who played through it. I still have not done so. I guess mm. I can't because I know some of the puzzles. I have not played through it either, but it did have high praise. Uh, we had a nice Keyforge event. Chris and I talked about Keyforge on a previous episode. Yes. In fact, we I think had two Keyforge events. It was two sealed deck Keyforge tournaments. So how does that work, Chris? Um, well, you buy your deck. Um, so everyone who's in the tournament pays for a $10 deck. Um, then the uh, whoever's the host says, all right, open them up. Five minutes later, he says, all right, you got 35 minutes. Start your rounds. Start your rounds. And then it is played. Um, we did ours kind of round robin tournament style, I guess. So everyone played against each other. And it was, you know, who had the most wins at the end. Um, you just play it any Right there, were, it was a fairly small group. It was like ten people, eight to ten people in the first one, and like four or six people in the yeah, second one. Exactly. Uh, but it, hopefully, it built up a little bit of interest in the game here locally. Not my favorite game, but Chris really likes it. I enjoy it. I do. Um, and let's see. Oh, I guess we mentioned buying decks. So for the first time ever, we had vendors at the con, and by yes. vendors, I mean vendor. The other guy who reserved space didn't show up. Uh, but Myrtle Beach Games was here, and they gave a percentage of the sales to the library. And what we did instead was we said, hey, give us store credit, and we will get buy games from you with the money that you owe us. Uh, because why not, right? Exactly. I don't know how much that is yet, because <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Joe since then. But also the, uh, the guy who was here, Joe, from Myrtle Beach Games, he was a huge help because he helps around the store there. And he was like, oh, you guys might want to look at your trash cans. Let me help you clean them up. I don't know why, but having him here was a comfort. Maybe it's because I'm used to gaming in a store where he's overseeing things. Yes. But it was almost like having another con staffer, uh, which was pretty exciting. Oh, and speaking of people who are big help. Oh, yes. 
uh, we had help from the Citadel. Um, yes, that Citadel, not the gaming company. Um, they sent us, I believe it was four cadets. I believe it was four cadets. Um, or maybe five because there was a guy running around in – it was four or five. Um, we I never saw remember. them all in one spot because they were running around helping us. Um, helping us with our VR, helping us with our tournaments, helping us just keep people engaged. Um, especially the kids. They were pretty good with getting kids into games or when kids really wanted to run something. Um, Sitting down and playing in it. And they would hop in and help them play it. And they were just, I mean, in general, they were just good general workers for the entire con, really. Well, and, and it wasn't even that they were working. First of all, just once again, it, it shifted the demographic of the folks who were here in the library a little yes. bit, which is great. They were, they were seen they were running games some of the games that we didn't have like our miniatures games were woefully underrepresented and uh, they cracked out their warhammer stuff and that was pretty amazing Absolutely. after they had sort of played with the guy who had warhammer here the day before so <laughs> you know it was like they, they carried that flag on they they participated in the painting tournament uh or event so yeah we had a uh, for our miniatures games we had a a, a, paint, a painting competition where they handed out minis people painted them and, they, and then they got judged harshly. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, so thanks to the Citadel. Um, thanks to the folks who did the miniature stuff that we had. It was kind of light shift this year. But after last year's horrible disappointment of sort of our miniatures guy caving in, uh, we had a gentleman step in sort of at the last minute. And despite family tragedy, uh, he had somebody here to run his events. So I, I got nothing but, but good things to say. This Absolutely. Time. This is not a lot, but what was here was good. Oh, we, we did some gasoline stuff, of course, and gave away a set of the the rulers and measurements that you use as part of the game that we laser cut. Hooray us. Yay. Hmm. What else? A ton of RPGs. We, yes, we just, had a, just a, a lot. A ton. I'm pretty excited because so many other times when I've run game rooms, you would see a bunch of dudes running games, right? Mm-hmm. More than any other convention, we had a great mix of ages, oh, yeah. of genders, of interests for folks running games. Oh, yeah. And while we had a couple of tables or three tables of organized play scheduled for almost the entire convention, Pathfinder, D&D, and more D&D, &D, <laughs> um, we also had a great variety of games. Fate was run. Dread was run. Fiasco. Um, we had a... Uh, a cloud dungeon scheduled, unfortunately, didn't fire off, but it was there if people wanted to play in it. Absolutely. I mean, we had a lot of stuff. We had the Dungeon World systems. We had. I was really surprised that that fired off because oh, yeah. the, the GM there is the, one of our local GMs who's there all the time. And the kids who, who know him sat down and played for like six to eight hours with him. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, he. they were excited. One of them showed up early, uh, waited around for his friends to show up, and it was an all-day game for them. Oh, which reminds me, a, a, a quick callback to the Story Games Workshop. One of our presenters got out of school for the day so that he could come and present. Yes, he did. And that was really neat that his, his mother knew the value of what we were doing so much that the experience of being part of this was going to be valuable enough that he could miss school. Of course, he's doing really well in school anyway. Yes. Or, or he wouldn't be allowed to. But wow, that was that was that was a vote of confidence that I love to have. <laughs> yes. Um the, and I mean to follow up that note, um because of the convention, we did have a lot of 
parents who just kind of walked in, didn't know this was going on, spotted it, came to talk to us. And a lot of parents are super supportive of what we're doing here at the library. The games of the uh, board games, the convention thing, the the whole teen room system. Mm-hmm. I maybe had four or five different parents come up to me that weekend to just praise what we're doing here. And the friends of the library toured through, of course, at exactly the moment where I was supposed to be doing something, <laughs> uh, that they they came in and they wanted to see what was going on. And so we had our 3D printer running during the con. We mm-hmm. had our laser stuff that we had previously laser cut because we couldn't have it going during the event. But they oohed and awed. And mm-hmm. once again, they were so impressed that, yeah, we had some new video game stuff going on because our virtual reality stuff was up and running. Yes. But... The tables in here were no more filled than the tables that were out in the rest of the library that we were running stuff in the big auditorium. And Mm -hmm. they were like, oh, we love to see all this new technology being used. We love to see the space being rich and filled. And we like, unlike some of the other patrons, they're like, we like to hear all the happiness and excitement that's going on. (laughs) Yes. So that's uh, our particular friends of the library. And I'm sure this probably trends true for a lot of libraries is uh, from an older demographic, right? And mm-hmm. so when they see people sitting down and playing board games and card games and know that it's not just all video games, that is the quickest way to get their buy-in for what we're doing. Absolutely. Oh, well, as long as we're talking about RPGs, we should talk about the RPGs Pharaoh's Challenge. Yes. So the Pharaoh's Challenge is something that we've talked about previously. We have our own version of it that runs here at the library. and. Yes. Uh, John Manus of the Swarmcast organizes it for us. Uh, he also ran some other games, as well as did some more of the folks who who help organize stuff at Scarab. Uh, his wife, Ruby, his buddy, Tim, and Matt Pukowski was our Pathfinder guy and Starfinder. But the Pharaoh's Challenge is a GMing competition. And in this case, all of our GMs were novices. Yes. And they get a system that Saturday morning. They, uh, about an hour before the game begins, they get the elements that they have to put into the, se- into the role-playing game setting, sort of to the scenario that they're running. But this year we had something really cool, which was the designer of the game system met with them over a you know, video conference and all four of the, the GMs at once, and they got to ask questions and discuss it with the designer, which I thought was amazingly cool. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, and the interesting thing about this system, uh, it's a brand new system. That's, I mean, this, I think, is... I don't think it's out yet, is it? No. It's that brand new. Yeah, right. It's not done. That's why he did the video conference, um, and he handed it off to us to be able to run it, you know, in the wild, uh, which is something he had not been previously doing, I believe. Yeah. I mean, it's not easily publicly available. That's right, not yet, but uh, we will probably. I'll try and get the details from John as mm-hmm. to what the system was, so that we can you know, do a after-action report. Yes. Uh, one of our out-of-town guests from up in northern Virginia area is the one who won the competition this year. Two of our GMs was their first time running RPG. as a GM. Yeah, yeah ever. Yeah. Um, and then even our most seasoned GM had only run four or five games ever. So. Yep. Yep. Um, now, to be fair, that that most seasoned GM who unfortunately didn't win played through one of my a bunch of my games, played through some of Stephanie's campaign, played through yes a, a lot of things. So, um, 
experience beyond her hours, I guess I should say. Yes. And actually, we didn't have one cisgendered male um, in the competition this year. That's true. Huh. So, sadly, I didn't get to play in it. Uh, someone had to run the house while you were one of the GMs. And so what yes. were some of the elements they threw in? They're not it? GMs, judges. I'm sorry. Yes. You had to you had to judge the GMs. Yes. What, um, what were some of the elements that got thrown in? So, they had cards with pictures on them. Uh, they were just, I guess, random artistic pictures. Um, and they had to work them in. I think my GM had, like, the White House, um, a night sky and a graveyard. So certain little uh, location scenarios. And then um, they had elements from Tall Tales, uh, which is another um, story game. The cards may come from that too. I'm not the sure. The cards may have. I'm not sure. I know the the little minifigures they got did. Um, so like my GM had a small cake, um, a small little boy and a little girl, um, a little tiny dragon. So they had these that they had to work into their story and actually make their story flow. Right. So the uh, the Pharaoh's Challenge RPG, Pharaoh's Challenge event, is basically an exercise in quickly learning a system. Yes. And then being flex enough, flexible enough to create a scenario and run it in a fairly stressful environment. Yeah, that is true. So... I didn't get to participate this year. Much sadness me, but I did get to play in it as a player and not a competitor out at Scarab with a different game system. And that was all pretty interesting. It was. All right. So um, as long as we're talking something fairly organized, uh, we should say that one thing that will draw people to your events, if you advertise it well and properly, is Dungeons & Dragons Adventure League or Pathfinder uh, Society or Starfinder Society. Yes. Um, now, unfortunately, Starfinder is going into a second edition, or Pathfinder is, and so I think the demand on that was a little bit low because we was running all first edition stuff. Yes. And uh, but Starfinder is still relatively squeaky new, shiny new. It's only a couple of years old at this point. No sign of going into a new one. Um, and with those, you have characters that you can continue playing with over time, and we'll cover it more in the story games workshop recordings that we do yes hmm. um another great draw to shushkan um very popular our play to win event um i say Ooh, yeah. event so it was tables where people could write down their names and saying i want to win this game if they've played it yes it was kind of an honor system i don't think it got abused as much as I've seen at some other conventions. <laughs> yes. um, it would, probably would have been helped if we'd had someone there explaining it and, and checking games out and doing it that way, but we were criminally understaffed for this event. Also, we're kind of a small con. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we had stuff that was donated, and we will mm-hmm. certainly mention all of our sponsors uh, when we uh, do our blog post on it, all the folks who sent us stuff. But we also had games that we were getting rid of from our collection. We're like, you know, this is not seeing any play. We've got other games that are either a little bit easier to play or hit that same theme a little better. And so we dumped some of that stuff. And some of my games, I think, made it under the table, too. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) And just to point out, these aren't necessarily bad games. Um, Here at the library, uh, our demographic's a bit on the lower side. So we do have to play around that. Right. Now, I will say that one of the games that was up for play to win was probably a bad game. I don't know. I never played it. (laughs) But in the good taste of our 
uh, of our attendees, they didn't open the box and play it. So it's still here. Uh, we don't know what we're going to do with it, but by golly, it, it looks awful. I'm not going to mention it because I haven't actually played it. I'm not going to mention the name of it, but ooh, rough times. Yes. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, one of the other events that we did was we had the, the folks who created Imperial Settlers gave us some kits that they usually send out to stores to run events. And so we got to give away some promotional items for Imperial Settlers, which was also very cool. Mm-hmm. That event fired off. We had I think, two two or three, I think, two full tables of it actually running at once. Um, I'm so, not sure. I was so occupied pretty, at the time. Pretty neat. Um, no, that's a great point to make. What I was occupied at the time with. Yeah, what were you doing? Tell us a little bit about your big event. Um, so this... Um, uh, back onto the VR stuff, one of the biggest things, or at least the most talked about thing up to Shushkan, was our Beat Saber tournament. Uh, Beat Saber is a rhythm game in VR um, and is currently just the most popular VR game on the market. Um, so we had a three song tournament. Um, I think I had at least 15 to 20 people signed up for it at one point, um, though, due to uh, my own conflicting scheduling. Uh, it started at the same time as some of the RPGs. I should have fixed that. And as the, as the painting contest. Yes. Um, however, still a great turnaround. I think I got 12 people uh, in the tournament itself, and the people got to play through the three songs. Highest score wins. Um, and it was just a lot of fun. Everyone who played in it um, really enjoyed it, whether they won or not. Um, a lot of laughter, a lot of competition. I had people thanking me for running it after the fact. Um, it was a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, yeah, it filled the room and it was kind of weird because at one point I was in the main, uh, area, the auditorium and I'm like, where is everyone? And then I hear a great deal of noise from the teen room and I go in and here and there are. Uh, a bunch of people, obviously, observing the tournament, participating mm-hmm. in the tournament, I'm assuming. Uh, we have people scattered all around doing their painting contest. We have a table of adults in here playing a board game because when we started the day off, it, there was nobody in here. And they wanted their kid who was under the age of 13 to be able to do VR stuff. Our rule on VRs is if you're 13 or older, you can play it. If you are between 10 and 13, as long as there is an adult uh, guardian with you you can play it uh, and we still recommend for shorter amount of times because they don't know what effect it could have on kids yes. right now I'm assuming none but why not be safe exactly and plus younger kids are more likely to get tangled up in the cards pull stuff off the table that kind of nonsense so yeah. just having a guardian who has to be present and at least sort of paying attention is, is sort of what we need it, it's helpful. Um, though, to say about the number of people in the room, um, one thing I was impressed with, um, even with the you know 15 people that were in the tournament, I had probably at least 10 people who didn't want to play in the tournament. Either they weren't um, comfortable enough with Beat Saber VR to want to participate, but they were watching. I like It became a spectator sport at the same time. It was very interesting. Right, having the... Uh the computers so that you can see what's on screen yes. is, is a big benefit. Um, did you keep them from videotaping? 
yes, we uh, don't allow people to videotape without permission of the VR person. person. Right. Yeah, because you can look really dorky <laughs> dancing yes. around. I got a video of my wife um, just so that I could show my boss and say, see, this is the kind of video you're going to have taken of people if we don't make <laughs> sure that we have permission. Because if my picture of my wife playing Beat Saber went up on YouTube... Well, probably nothing would happen because she's not on YouTube and so she wouldn't know. Um, but <laughs> if, if it was a kid who's living their whole life socially, then by golly, it, it could have a huge, huge impact on their, uh, their online presence. Absolutely. All right. Well, I, I tell you what, this is a good time to start talking about the disappointments um, yes. for the weekend. And I think that, that something that was not caused by the Beat Saber tournament but was certainly highlighted by it is that in a standard role-playing game convention, all of your role-playing games sort of run in time blocks. So it's like, oh, it's a morning block, an afternoon, and evening. Yes. Those three blocks, four hours long or five hours long. So if you miss the start time for a round, then you are going to be you know, out of a game for at least three hours, unless mm -hmm. you find a board game or something that you want to get into. Yeah. So next year what we're going to try and do. And, and I know that Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder supports this kind of play, but we also want to do it with some other games is have a table that is one hour role playing game. So mm -hmm. it'll be sort of like the tasting that we did for the story games workshop, but it'll be like, Hey, we're going to have people run introductions to these game systems. You can sit down, you can play it, you can learn it, you can do it sort of like the red packet rumble for free, um, Feng Shui that I've run before. Yes. Where it's a short adventure, and by the end of it, you know the basics of the thing, and you can decide, oh, this is a system I want to play more of. And so it would be nice if we could have one table that was all one-hour adventures, another table that was like two-hour adventures, mm -hmm. so that people could sort of break up their time and play a variety of things. Yes. And when you're in a library, so most conventions, they're at a convention hall, uh, they've got a price to get in the door, and you're not going to have as much casual walk-in off the street thing. Right. People but, who are there are there for the day. I yes. mean, they're there to play a game. They know why they're there, and they know what the, the time block structure's like, et cetera, et cetera. Here, we had a tremendous amount of people who just sort of stumbled through, or they're like, oh, we missed the 8 o'clock session. Like, yeah, of course you missed the 8 o'clock session. It's 9.30. But uh, <laughs> I think that you really need to schedule your events with a st either a, a more aggressively staggered start time yes but the problem with that is if i'm running a four-hour session that starts at eight and then but there's a one that starts at 10 i want to get into i can't and so if you get on the off schedule you're sort of stuck in the off schedule all convention which is cheating yourself out of you know mm -hmm. four, three to five hours worth of gaming right so we just want to add more shorter events on right. top of what we're already and so some Showcasing. of that might be handled on our advertising where we say, hey, guys, this is going to be a table where we're going to be showing off this, you know, role-playing board game. Maybe you can get into it and enjoy it for an hour while you're waiting on your next round of uh, Feng Shui or Fate or Call of Cthulhu to start. Right. And so that's, that's sort of what I'm hoping. That's probably the biggest thing that because with the Beat Saber tournament, the main gaming emptied out at five. Right. Yeah. Like half the tables were empty. Mm -hmm. When the Beat Saber tournament was over, two or three more tables filled up, right? Yeah. It wasn't light, but the big Catan game didn't start. If we'd have started it 
after the Beat Saber tournament, we could have had 18 people show up and play that. If mm-hmm. we'd have, if we'd have, it was a scheduling error on all for our part, but the players and the people had fun. I just know we can do a little bit better. Yes, we schedule some things in those off hours that we give the GMs to break or things like that. So the other is, is that while we had our little vending area here so that people could get snacks, um, which, you know, always goes over well. It's like, hey, donate for these amounts and you can get, you know, this stuff. It, last year we had the school organization show up, the Friends of the Libraries um, student organization, and sell pizza and sandwiches as a fundraising thing. They, they didn't do it this time. They never got back to me. And instead, though, we had discounts at some of the local restaurants, which I think probably went over better. Um, but it was another encouragement for, oh, there's nothing starting right now that I want to get into. I'm going to leave the site and go to the restaurants. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, my wife works at Jimmy John's and they had a special going on that they would deliver that they wouldn't normally deliver, but they would deliver to Shushcon. And so they sold a lot of sandwiches. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know what anything else that you'd think we could do some improvement on. Um, I guess staffing is another thing. Um, I found myself ripped in between multiple um, elements of the uh, con stuff that I wasn't technically supposed to be running, either trying to help the people run it or just trying to get it going. Yeah. Um, And so I was running back and forth with some of the GMs helping them out, running back and forth with trying to get some of the VR systems um, operating smoothly and kind of running around with the cleaning and all that. So... I guess more heads of jobs. We had folks who uh, said they wanted help with other stuff when they signed up for the convention. We didn't leverage them very well at all. No. Um, And I think if we'd have said, hey, this is the kind of stuff we'd like help with. If at this time on this day, if you're going to be there, um, Mm -hmm. if you could see us and do a trash run, that might help. Right. Just one thing, do that. And we will appreciate that help immensely. Absolutely. Um, you know, and that would help keep me and Donald t- tethered to more important matters while right. Well, other, other general tasks yeah. need you know. Also, taken um, care. Ruby of the Swarmcast mm-hmm. has said that if I ask her specifically for a specific kind of help, that she would be willing to do that. But general, just hey, we can use some help does not appeal to her. So yeah. right now, because I know that John listens to the show and occasionally makes her listen to it. I think we're going to tap her to be our games marshal to make sure that, that the games get run at the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And that way, every hour, I'm not called away from whatever else I'm trying to do. Yes. Um, and that'll work. The other thing is we created a lot of extra work for ourselves before the con by putting summaries of the events, not just in the sign-up sheet, but on the little posters we were doing. That's not happening next year. <laughs> um, yes. There was, oh, we, we, our Warhorn registration thing went up probably about a month and a half late um, because the guy who was in charge of signing up folks for G, uh, to GM role playing games had health issues. Uh, you know, little things here and there. If we had more folks just backstopping us, mm-hmm. I think that by and large it would go a lot more smoothly. Absolutely. I guess um, the other disappointment with this con. Um, we had a lot of our pre-registered folks not show up. Yeah. Um, 
more so than in the past. Um, not a huge amount, but just more than we were expecting. Like 17 people who pre-registered didn't show up. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think part of that could be due to the timing of you know getting back into our advertising and trying to get people to you know remind them that this is coming up. Um, we had a lot of our games and stuff got signed up really late. Yeah. Stuff like that. Just, I guess, kind of kicking off earlier. But our hope is that the people who showed up at the event couldn't tell. And I think yes. that they really couldn't. I think yeah. the biggest surprise was people who showed up looking for their badge and not being able to find it. And then like, well, when did you sign up? They're like, oh, I registered this morning. You know, here's a sticker and a Sharpie. <laughs> this, this is your badge for the weekend. Yes. Um, and we had one of our uh, GMs badges got swiped by somebody else with the same name. Yes. And that was hilarious. <laughs> it was very entertaining. And um, yeah, so a little stuff like that, that we, by and large, most of the attendees didn't know anything about, mm-hmm. which I think is, of course, how you run a library. I is, think that's know, how you run a con. All calm. I'll come on top, furious paddling underneath yes. <laughs> like a duck. So loved it. Can't not wait until next year's Shushcon. That's a lie. I can wait about a year. <laughs> uh, um, though it, it has me more and more wanting to do a fall event, either for anime or comic books or something like that. Mm-hmm. And running something here to, to just do something that is not structured in the same way as a game event but to sort of add to my portfolio of, of things I've run and organized and to help build up sort of geek culture in the Grand Strand. Absolutely. All right. Well, we've been talking for 40 some odd minutes. Mm. I think it's time for us to wrap this up because someone's going to have to edit this. Oh, boy. <laughs> it, it probably won't be you. Ah. So I would like to thank you for listening to this part of the podcast to getting this far. Uh, you've been listening to the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. I'm Donald Dennis. I'm Chris Bell. And you can find out more about the podcast and the people who create it by heading over to InverseGenius.com, where you can also find our other great podcasts like the Inverse Genius podcast on board games, on RPGs, and the Room Escape Divas. If you have questions, comments, or snide remarks, please shoot us an email. Link in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs>